Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, March the 6th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And on Mondays, we like to look at the readings for the following Sunday, which is the third Sunday in Lent, March the 12th, 2023. What are the three readings? One of them is from Exodus chapter 17. Another is Romans chapter 5. And the third one is from John chapter 4. And it just so happens we're going to be touching each one of these because it makes an important point that the Romans chapter 5 passage has to say. So turn to Romans chapter 5 beginning with verse 1. What does it say? Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we need to explain that. We're we're talking about how do we get someone who is an unbeliever to become a believer? It's by explaining the words, even in the English translation. Because a lot of times when people hear about having peace, they're, they're thinking about a peace that they have in their lives. But that's not what the angels were saying to the shepherds. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. It's not what Jesus meant on the night of the resurrection when he walked into the room and said, peace to the disciples. This peace is because God is now reconciled to you. What does that mean? Well, it's in Corinthians. And what God is saying is that because of the death of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ on the cross, who of course is God, that you are now reconciled with God. Now, who is reconciled? I'm sure you're going to say the people who are reconciled are those who are believers. No, even unbelievers have been reconciled to God. Well, then you ask the question, well, if that's the teaching of the Bible, why do not unbelievers Why are they not going to heaven? Because being reconciled with God is what Jesus accomplished. Yet it is clear, as this text says, that since we have been justified, not by works, but by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Talk about a huge difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world. In every other religion in the world, you're justified by works. And we've said this many a time, that this is the huge distinction in the Bible between the law and the prophets. We're justified by works. We're doing two adult instruction classes right now. And 
It's really enjoyable. I'll ask questions, and a lot of times the answers people give is, well, these things we need to do. Uh, for example, yesterday we were talking about the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive the trespasses of others. Most people would come to the conclusion that what that prayer means is God will forgive you insofar as you have forgiven others. And so I asked the question, is that what that means? And one participant said, yes, we should forgive others, so God will forgive us. And I really dealt with the word should. I said, is that law or gospel? And I explained that that was law thinking because under the gospel, there are no requirements to be made for God to be gracious to you. Nothing happened in a person who is an unbeliever. Nothing they did moved God to be gracious to them and give them what they don't deserve. Well, let's take a look at Romans 5 further. Verse 2, through him we have also obtained access by faith into the peace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, we rejoice in hope in the glory of God. What is Paul talking about in writing to the Romans? Because Christians were under great suffering. And so he's saying in verse 3, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Now, what, what does that mean? Why would anyone rejoice in suffering? Christians realize that God can produce good things even through suffering. The Holy Spirit works in the Christian's life, helping him through suffering, teaching him endurance, developing character, and finally giving hope. And it is a sure hope, an assurance of hope. Why do we have an assurance of hope? Because we believe the promises of God. We have sure hope that heaven will be our home and that we have been declared righteous by God. Verse 6 is really critical. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, see, a lot of Christians believe that Christ died for the godly. 
And they believe that you become godly by doing a lot of good works for Christ. There's no doubt the Christian does good works. In fact, in the Bible, they're called fruit of the Holy Spirit because they're motivated by the Holy Spirit out of our love for Jesus Christ. But that is after you have come to faith. Prior to faith, God does not recognize any good works. So to whom does he give his wonderful gift of the forgiveness of sins, for example? I want to read verse 6 again and emphasize something. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. You see, this is really critical because if he justifies us with God the Father, us refers to everyone in the world. We refer to that as all people have been justified by God, even an unbeliever. What, what does that mean? It means that they too are invited to believe in Jesus Christ, and we encourage them not to reject the faith that the Holy Spirit will place into them as they hear the word of God. You go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross. You receive that benefit through faith, through belief, through trust in the promises. So, it's kind of like someone wants to maybe give you a gift and you reject the gift because you don't like the person giving it. They still have a gift for you, but you refuse to receive it because of your hatred for the person, your dislike of the person or whatever. That's what an unbeliever is. The gift is there. It's available. Go ye therefore and baptize all nations into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all nations refers to even unbelievers. This is really important that Christ died for the ungodly. Now, I'm going to say something that may surprise you. You will not go to heaven if you are not ungodly. What? What does that mean? What that means is the following, that God died for unbelievers, and therefore unbelievers receive his grace. And the grace that they receive is that they can be justified through faith in believing the promises of God. So how do we bring someone into the kingdom of God? We tell them again and again what the Bible says. Last week we were doing a sermon on Romans chapter 4, and Paul had asked a question. And how did he answer the question? He said, what does the scripture say? That's how God brings someone into faith. 
by hearing the scriptures, like those two men on the road to Emmaus. We've mentioned that numerous times. Jesus went through the Old Testament, showing them the necessity of his death and the reason for his resurrection. Now, just in case you wonder whether God really is gracious to the ungodly, you can look at both the Old Testament reading and the gospel. Let's, let's look at the Old Testament first. It's from Exodus chapter 17. The people have been able to leave Egypt. They are no longer in slavery, but they are in the wilderness. And when they're in the wilderness, then they begin to argue with Moses. They say, we don't have any water to drink. And Moses says, why are you quarreling with me? Why are you testing the Lord? But the people were thirsty. And therefore they grumbled against Moses. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses addressed the Lord. What? shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. So what does the Lord say? Well, let me stone them because they don't trust that I will take care of them. Now, these are people who are ungodly towards God. They had a promise that God would take care of them. I just can't imagine that you see the Red Sea open with walls of water on each side because of the wind, and you're able to travel through it and get to safety against the Egyptians. And when the Egyptians start following you through the dry land of the Red Sea, guess what? They get drowned. Who could ever doubt God in my mind? But these people did. They put God to the test. So how did God deal with these ungodly? He said to Moses, go before the people, take you some elders of Israel, and in your hand also use the staff with which you struck the Nile, remember? And that's what divided the waters. Behold, I, will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Now, that's the God of the Bible. He's dealing with ungodly people, and what does he do? He is gracious towards them. He gives them what they don't deserve. He gives them water. This is also found in the Holy Gospel. When Jesus has sent his disciples to get food, and he's alone at Jacob's well, and there is a woman of Samaria who comes to get water, and that's unusual because that's the heat of the day. But 
she is regarded as a sinner by many in her city. And so she doesn't want to go before other people. And she talks to Jesus, who speaks of living water. And he offers it to her. She goes back and tells the people that he told me things about my life. I believe him to be the Messiah. In fact, the verse in John chapter 4, verse 26, before that, the woman says to Jesus, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Now listen to verse 26. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus confesses that he is the Messiah. And the Messiah was sent by the Ancient of Days, God the Father, in Daniel to earth to redeem whom? To redeem ungodly people. So this is something that we as Christians need to understand. The message of the gospel is different than the message of the law. The Bible says that the law will result in the wrath of God because people who think they can obey the law to get on good side, no, God doesn't recognize that. He sees in all of our obedience to the law at times the old Adam coming through and doing things to see what we can get out of it. In our study of the book of Proverbs, God mentions that people really like to be friends with those who are wealthy. And the verse is really saying to wealthy Christians, how deep is that friendship? If you don't give money to them, will they still continue to be your friends? A lady won over $100 million and her name was put in the newspaper because in that state, when you win the lottery, you are named. Well, it didn't take long before she lost almost all her money. She had a boyfriend who was in prison and he stole quite a bit. She had to give quite a bit of it to taxes. And then it was spent on expensive cars and boats and this sort of thing. And within a short period of time, she had pretty well become poor again. Now, that's because people would keep calling her asking for money, relatives, etc. And she was giving it to them. But as soon as she lost all that money, she suddenly lost all her friends. So God is warning us. Be careful who your friends are and realize for what reason they may be your friends. We pastors in the church have many friends in the congregation. I remember when I left the church I was at for 28 years to join with Concordia Mission Society that some of the people in the church thought 
that because I was leaving, there was going to be the end of the church. And that has happened in some churches where they closed down. But I kept telling them that they were not vacant even when I was gone because Jesus Christ is still their main pastor. He will call someone, uh, which he did, to come and continue the work of pastoring that I was doing. That's called the divine call. And, and today, churches cannot sometimes afford a full-time pastor. So there are what we call interim pastors, uh, people like myself who are retired, but continue to serve congregations in preaching, in teaching, in leading adult instruction classes, in visiting shut-ins and baptizing and giving the sacrament each week. Now, this is done because the group to which we are to be giving this good news are the ungodly. That's why I said, if you're not ungodly, you're not going to heaven. Now you'll say, well, does that mean I remain ungodly? No, because of what Christ has done, you also have received the gift of the Holy Spirit as a Christian and you have faith. So you really have two hearts. Uh, last week, Nicodemus asked Jesus, am I to get back in my mother's womb to be born again? And a pastor I really appreciate told me that he was preaching on that text, telling his congregation they had two birthdays. They had the birthday when they were born, but they had what's called the rebirth day when they were baptized. They have two hearts. As David said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So every Christian is ungodly because of his old Adam. We continue to sin by thought, word, and deed. We continue to confess on a Sunday morning that we deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. But God is a God of grace. He gives to people who are ungodly what they don't deserve. And that's the purpose of the church, to share that message with individuals. And we don't just share it with believers. Oh yes, we can do that on a Sunday morning and we can increase their knowledge of law and gospel and God's will in their lives. But we also need to share this good news with unbelievers, unbelievers who are ungodly. Now, remember both John the baptizer and Jesus had two parts of their message. The first was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. When you repent, that does not get you into heaven. Repentance was taught by John the baptizer to prepare people for the coming of the Messiah, who John said he will take away the sins of the world. 
Now, how does repentance prepare them? Because as God went through the, as John the baptizer went through the commandments, and as Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount, it is to make us aware that every one of us falls short of the glory of God. And so we should be in fear of God because we realize he could send us to hell. But then the gospel comes through and says, Jesus died for the ungodly. In fact, in verse seven of Romans five, Paul writes, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, we would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, he died for the people who put him on the cross, who made fun of him, who spit on him, who pulled out his beard, who whipped him and put him to death. But when he rose from the dead, remember the first words he said to the apostles who were hidden in the upper room for fear of the Jews. He said, peace be with you. And that resurrection convinced them that he was not just the Messiah, he was also the God of the universe who had created everything. So don't be concerned that you realize you are ungodly. Be confident that God has proclaimed you forgiven as a gift and declared you to be righteous through faith in him. That's what we'll be looking at on tomorrow's Law and Gospel with Mark Smith when we examine the hymn, May God Bestow on Us His Grace. That are those are people who are unbelievers asking for that. Till tomorrow's long gospel, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.